Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. So there I was. I woke up with a heavy case of amnesia in the middle of nowhere. The only clue to my past is Harry's name and address inside this hat. So I made my way to the apartment, and that's when I found you and your stapler gun. Stop talking! You're a hallucination! You're a hallucination. So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine. I can stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> 
I don't know. Maybe Harry got in too deep. Mixed up with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Look, you can talk to humans. I can talk to Pokemon. And if you want to find your pops, we're going to need each other. No, I don't need a Pokemon. What about a world-class detective? Ah, my clues. What is all this? Harry is still alive. Case closed, but still open until I solve it. Welcome one and all to the film board from the next reel on Rashpixel.fm. We spoil movies, and this month we've gathered some thugs to comment on the craze that is an industry unto itself. We're talking about the world of Pokemon here on Mother's Day weekend because Pokemon Detective Pikachu was released in theaters this past week. And with Ryan Reynolds voicing the historically fan-favorite Pikachu, there might be a reason for everyone to see this thing, whether you are someone who's got to catch them all, or even if you found those seemingly aimless hordes tracking invisible monsters on their phone through the Pokemon Go craze a teensy bit ridiculous. That craze is over, right, guys? Nobody nobody plays that game anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh. this movie is going to have an audience. We gathered the appropriate, appropriately relevant thugs here today to connect the adorable photoreal dots for us on this one. And let's start by introducing them. Do you have a favorite Pokemon, Pete Wright? I'm glad you asked. I see. My personal favorite wasn't even in the movie. Oh no! It's my ginned up, uh, my ginned up Titar that I'm pretty happy with. Titar. Oh, my Tyranitar, JJ, wow. my Tyranitar. Now I started late, so just even getting one of these things was hard enough for for little old me. But my goodness, you, you started uh, doing what late? Playing Pokemon. Pokemon Go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in it now. I'm okay, in it so, now. And so, I would like to say, not my fault. No, and <laughs> it, that could be the fault of one Andy Nelson, right? It could be, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pin it back on my son because it's his fault, really. That, Blame the that youth. He got me started. <laughs> yeah. So, who's your favorite Pokemon, Andy? I learned it from watching him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! You know, I have um, a few favorites. Um, and uh, one of mine was in the film, so I was thrilled. Mr. Mime, ah, who I just adore wait, That uh, seems so like much. an odd one to have as a favorite. <laughs> I love him. He's great. Um, but I also like, uh, I like Blossom. I think Blossom is just super adorable. And Politoed and the Alolan Executor. And also, my one of my favorites is the shiny version of the Ho-Oh. I just love I the like way that Ho-Oh looks. Too. I like the bird. I do. I, I want to. So, I just have the, to say because Andy dropped so many names. I yes. have to say my second favorite uh, is actually uh, in the movie, and it is the Machamp, and it was directing traffic in the movie. And the reason that one is so close to my heart is because when I was a brand new player, Andy took me to my very first raid, and it was a level three raid with a Machamp <laughs> in it. And he said, "We're gonna. I'm gonna solo this, and you're just gonna dodge, and that's all we're gonna do. And then you'll get a chance when you're like level seven. And you could get this thing. Andy essentially gifted me my first Machamp. Uh. And as those experts <laughs> in the game will know, the Machamp is an all-around powerful power hitter. He's a utility right? player yeah. right there. And a good fighter. Right. That is from Andy, so he's very he's, close to my he's heart. He's your legacy ringer. He's my legacy <laughs> ringer. That's right. 
Well, and the Machamp is super creepy when it's uh, played by a ditto. Totally. Yeah. And can we just say one more thing? I watched a really yeah. interesting uh, video about this. The way the Machamp looks, he's got. Did you know this about? He's got the little. Uh, he's got the little underoos. Got the little yep. thing and Definitely. the belt. Yeah. So he's kind of a I swimmer. Was, yeah. I was watching a, a video with the director of this movie, and he's and and he was asked the question, "What's the weirdest note that you got from the Pokemon Company?" as they were watching this movie. And it was on the Machamp's wardrobe. They okay. said, you have to know, Pokemon don't wear clothes. Yeah. And the director stopped and said, okay, well, what are you saying? And they said, well, that the underoos and the silver belt are part of his body. What? Yes. Oh. And that means you're Mr. Mime that looks like clothes. Those yeah. are that's like what his body looks like. They are all essentially naked, and that has been blowing my mind all day. I've never thought and about that, that. So Snubble Snubble's not wearing a, a little <laughs> no, pink coat. No, either, he's then. not wearing a pink coat either. Yes, Snubble. I love it. My fa- mm-hmm. so I'm a particular fan of Eevee, and the reason why I like Eevee so much is because it has this ability to evolve into just about any Pokemon type. So you can change it and this kind of thing. And when I have played Pokemon Go, which hasn't been for a little while for me, but um, a lot of the people that are on top of what are they called? The shrines or the things around town that you're trying to get to the Gems. upper levels on? You've mm-hmm. got a lot of the big bosses on there were evolved Eevees. Like they'd have Flareon and Vaporeon and all these different things. Jolteon here and there, which I think is really cool. So, um, now that we've dropped 36 different Pokemon in the first <laughs> 10 minutes of our, of our podcast here. I think we've established that all of our, uh, that we all have playground cred for attacking this topic. So let's talk about the movie, which I'm glad we're already jumping into. Uh, what are your first thoughts here, uh, Andy? What did you think of the movie? I had fun with it, but I didn't have nearly as much fun as I was hoping to have okay. with it. It's, I, I think that it ended up being a very light movie. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were talking about it afterward. It felt like perfect for my son's age. He's eight. And I think they were very uh, purposefully avoiding going to that PG-13 Marvel range. I think they were trying to keep it in the realm for the younger crowds. Yeah. But the frustrating thing for me is that Disney does that a lot and they come up with some really fantastic stories. And I felt this story, this overall story, while it did have some heart and I I did enjoy the actual story itself, I just felt it was also pretty played. Like I felt felt like I'd seen this story countless times. It wasn't anything new or that exciting. Yeah, I think uh, I'm definitely with you on the light part. I think that was surprising that it was that way. And I think when I heard Ryan Reynolds attached to it, I thought it was going to have a little bit more edge. What did you think of it, Pete? I went into this movie knowing what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the the, the eye candy, right? More, first and foremost, I wanted to see the eye candy. I thought, you know, let's see what they do to bring these creatures uh, into the photorealistic world, right? And And I, I got that. After that, I go see it to, for Ryan Reynolds because he's a property I know very well, and I think his delivery is unique uh, and and uh, enjoyable and funny. And I did laugh at this movie, but to echo Andy's point, this was enormously predictable, and not just because it's you know it was heavily lifted from the 3ds game detective pikachu like this was predictable around every corner from the very first uh you know frames as we're looking at the the chase and we're looking at the first flashbacks and we see the the mewtwo and we i mean there's just 
I think it's, I just, I got the stories too quickly. I didn't feel like the mystery of the detective gave me anything to latch on to. And so by the time, you know, we get to the Batman uh, ending uh, with the gas coming out of the, the you know, oh, yeah, um, Batman parade floats, yeah. right? The bat dance uh, parade. Right. Yes. Um, I, I, my heartstrings, Batman. my heartstrings were not pulled uh, and I wanted them to be pulled I wanted to I wanted to have some sense of heart I wanted to have I'll tell you what I wanted to have more than anything was the Lego movie ending like yeah. that's the surprise I wanted and Lego movie bowled me over they right. used yeah, right. uh, this fantastically frivolous toy story to 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 set me up for something I absolutely didn't see coming it was just crushingly good yeah. as a dad and as and as somebody who's like who's i'll stop talking i swear but as somebody who's (laughs) who's like central investment in the pokemon universe is with my son sure i feel like this movie let me down also he loved it yeah same same with my son see and i think that's really interesting you bring up a lot of good points with that and i think uh, it really is a kid's movie and i didn't expect that going in one thing that you mentioned is how closely related it is to the Detective Pikachu game, they actually... So I read an article with the scriptwriter here, and I don't know which one because they have four different ones listed on the movie, but um, he said that when he was hired on to do the movie that they didn't have a script yet, but they developed the game at the same time as developing the script for this movie. And they had already had a head start on the game, and it was always the plan, literally from the Pokemon company, always the plan to have them interrelated. So they are they are direct counterparts and it was a way to That's interesting. see it in two different medium media to figure out how they were going to do it. So that's the thing to to, to there. And I think so for me, I think it, it was really a kids movie. I think Andy's point about it being light and the fact that it, your son loved it. I think I think this is a really solid movie for kids. Um, And I just didn't expect that going in. So for me, it ended up being pretty thin, like you guys are saying. But uh, but when I take if I take a step back and think about what it can be for kids, I think some of the twists and turns, you know, the fact that it's kind of like who who framed Roger Rabbit meets Batman, which I hadn't considered that, you know, before. um, It's kind of a cool thing for kids. I don't know that the younger kids are going to have an idea of the twists and turns in this story. I think it's good for them, but for the seasoned adult uh, movie viewer, it's going to feel uh, like very predictable, right? Cause these are all different things that we've done before. Well, and let me just as table stakes though, JJ, let me just ask you, was the Lego movie a kid's movie? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, the le- like yeah. I just I, to Andy's Andy's point, like they can make good, deep, heartfelt kids right. movies, and yep. this wasn't yeah. that. Like nope. I I think I think that is not uh, that is not a good a fair apology for this movie. This is yeah. a product movie, and yes, it is. It, that's what it is. Yeah. So uh, it's fine. It felt it felt very like uh, you know something you'd get uh, you know ten twenty years ago, and I felt like. The story development for uh, for family entertainment has come a really long way, thanks to really the growth of of just kind of the animated marketplace starting in the '90s, where it's not just Disney. Now everybody's competing, and generally they're pushing for much higher, uh, you know, kind of content. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I was just expecting this to kind of be hitting for that higher mark as well, especially being such a huge franchise. But to Pete's point. I think it it unfortunately does end up feeling like a product movie. I feel like that way too. And quickly, let's just go through what the story kind of is. Um, you know, if we look at a synopsis, we start with in a world, right? Like this is the first time I've ever done that. 
we've been doing a synopsis for <laughs> two months and I haven't done the inner world yet. So I want to do that. I, I just world. heard, I just heard a bouge. See, and that's I, what I yeah. just heard. <laughs> I have new headphones. So I'm, it sounds really good. Okay. Anyway, in a world where there are Pokemon everywhere, a kid named Tim is called to a place where Pokemon and humans live and work together because his dad was a detective there and was killed. So Tim doesn't have a relationship to Pokemon, but in following his dad's footsteps, Tim meets his father's Pokemon partner, Pikachu, which everyone should try to say 10 times fast, who in a twist on this particular universe tim can speak to uh and the poke the pikachu can speak to him too and they team up to find out all the other crazy twists of his father's peril it includes sinister experimentation on and mind control of pokemon in a science fiction plot to merge humans with pokemon forever uh so there is a thick spoilery (laughs) description of what happens in this movie um but one of the things that I found interesting about this world is that they're all Pokemon, but there's no animals. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's not the same way in the the animated Pokemon movies, is it? I have no idea. I've never seen any of those. I should ask my son. But, you know, I feel like that why are they going to bother putting animals in? Because their focus in those is just so much the story of the of the kids with the Pokemon. I mean, I've read some of the books uh, with my son. And uh, kind of the the uh, the comics, and it is just Pokemon and people. Because I mean, look, there are birds, there yeah. are cats, there are tigers, there are dogs. It's like, why do you need other animals when there are all these other opportunities to just have it designed this way, where it's Pokemon and people? Well, and I think that gets to a really interesting point about what are Pokemon in in the Pokemon company's eyes, right? Are they giving animism to to animals and then? other people like Mr. Mine <laughs> or, or are they, which I think from what I understand, Pokemon comes from a conglomeration of the words pocket monsters, right? It's this, is this, this spiritual thing that's alongside us everywhere we go. Um, what do we think that the concept is from the Pokemon company looking at this world? I was asking my wife about this cause I was like, okay, so, so the Bulbasaurs, cause she was totally in love with the Bulbasaurs, yeah. the sound design on their cute little cooing. I mean, everything was adorable with them, but I'm like, okay, so, but, in in the game, you evolve a Bulbasaur to an Ivysaur, and then you evolve the Ivysaur to a Venusaur. And so I'm like, so so if you don't evolve a Bulbasaur, does it just does it always stay a baby, or does it grow up and then it's an old Bulbasaur that never evolved, or would it in growth does it naturally grow into an Ivysaur? and a Venusaur, but the Evolve just makes it go quicker. And it's like, I don't know, it's a concept that I don't, I don't really understand. <laughs> I mean, in that, and that's like the most obvious one, because they look like it could grow from one to the next. Whereas some of them, it's like, there's no way that that came from that if it's just growing, you know, without having gone through some crazy metamorphosis. But yeah, it's, it's a strange, I don't know, it's a strange concept. It's a really strange concept. And it's one they don't invest any time in giving you a sense of how the rules work, right? I think the the real scene uh, that that cements this for me is in the the battle, and this movie is deeply short on battles, and the game right. is deeply heavy on battles and the battle mechanic. But as soon as you put these fuzzy creatures in a cage together and watch them fight, then you realize, oh. Right. So this is just like dogfighting, but with, you know, a mouse and a fish like it's (laughs) it's kind of gross and horrific when you think about it. And it look it's like gross and horrific at a different level if you stop too long to think about it on in in photorealistic like, you know, big screen. And so I, I get the very fine line that they're trying to walk. But the rule mechanic 
I think they stepped too far away from it because, I, you know, we walked out with some big questions. My kids, my, you know, they're looking at, at me like, what? So wait a minute. The Magikarp, which we all love, turns yeah. into Gyarados. And then what? Like, they just left it in a basement. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like does, it, does it turn back? Does it only, can it only evolve one time? Like, what is the mechanic? What is the rule set that they're giving us in the movie? Because they didn't give us enough. And why didn't Pikachu evolve into Raichu at any point when he's already... I was totally expecting that in the climax. Totally yeah. expecting that in the climax. Uh, and, and I feel like that was a, that was a letdown. So, I, I don't know. I, it's puzzling to me. I, I don't get why that is. And that one of the major central mechanics in the film, in the, in the game, is catching Pokemon. We have one shot in the yeah. opening sequence of the movie where a character attempts to catch a Pokemon in a Pokeball. And then it's over. But wouldn't you guys argue, like... That's how people relate to Pokemon is by catching them. Well, but aren't you you're talking about Pokemon Go now, right? I mean, and I, I've never played the 3DS Pokemon but Detective no, no, no. Pikachu. Hasn't, like, hasn't the game like you got to collect them all? You're aren't you effectively catching Pokemon even with the cards? Well, see, isn't yes. that I the mean, metaphor? That's, that's the underlying thing about the Pokemon world or the Pokemon company. But that's I mean, and that's the reason why in the article I read that they were addressing the fact that Pokemon Detective Pikachu was the first movie. Why was this the thing? Is because so many people are wondering why it isn't the original storyline with Ash and the Pikachu and talking about the mechanics and doing all that stuff. And I think I don't, you know, we don't have a studio answer for that. And definitely the scriptwriter isn't going to tell us, but it, it, it feels like they were trying to do something that was a little bit more bookended with yeah. this sort of like uh, maybe a niche part of the universe that's a completely different storyline that they could put into an encapsulated movie. Um, I, I find that very strange because I think that, you know, from the animated movie perspective, which I've seen a number of them with my kids, um, I think it, they do it really well in sort of exploding this universe and talking about the methodology and the mythology and everything that they do, you know, and not using Deus Ex Gyarados, right? Um, I think... <laughs> I think they which could is have, awesome, by the way. I loved seeing Gyarados all that. I thought it was great screen. too. I that was, was so cool. Great for that scene, but I, I think you know it's maybe. I mean, is this just a showcase of what uh, Pokemon could be in a alternate realm sort of thing, or uh, because it's clear that they were avoiding having to tell the story of the mythology and how this works in this particular movie they kind of left a lot of that out and i mean i don't mind so much that they didn't give you all of the uh the backstory i mean i like having the sense of this world that's here and i felt like they actually i, I don't know I'm, I'm really curious to talk to some people who uh like tommy and jj who have never really kind of followed anything pokemon JJ related here i mean <laughs> tommy and steve sorry <laughs> Uh, and, and get a sense for what they thought. And like, you know, I mean, is because my sense coming off on this is somebody who's never really followed it to go, okay, it's, it's a full world and I kind of understand it uh, for the most part. But, uh, you know, again, I think it, it ends up falling on the story because I just think the story was weak. If it was a much stronger story and it didn't feel like just an opportunity to like put all these Pokemon in a movie so that people could see it, you know, in live action, I, I feel like they uh, they would have served themselves better rather than the way they did. Because, you know, I mean, it's, it creates an interesting world. But to that end, it's like, 
you know, I don't know. I, I You start questioning all these things about these rules because there's just not enough story to really care about. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the people who haven't seen it because I think that that's why they chose this. I think they thought it would be easier to tell this small story than explain the entire mythology of this entire game world that they've created to those people who haven't seen, uh, who haven't been exposed to the universe at all. You know, the other thing that I think they neutered is our our central protagonist, Tim, like I went in expecting that he was going to to have, uh, you know, to have been gifted with certain tropes, for example, that he not only had wanted at one point a career in becoming a Pokemon trainer that but that he was essentially a had sort of retired from that world. Right. I was not able I, I never understood his reticence to engage in in Pokemon. That was not no, earned. They never explained me. it to us. It was puzzling. And then yeah. he gets into the underground uh, fight, and we have that line, you know, when Pikachu looks at him and says, hey, since when did you become a Pokemon trainer? Because he does. He knows a lot about Pokemon. Doesn't that indicate that he should have had more substance to him, more of a background, more of a story besides, you know, my dad didn't, you know, my impression was my dad didn't love me very much. Um, and, and that was that was just sort of empty and hollow. And as a result, I had I felt like I had nothing to hang on to and and be dragged along behind beyond the flash of the colors of the Pokemon on screen. And that was fun and funny, but only for really so long. I think you're right. And I think that, you know, that what I compared it to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where they are very deep in telling us why. Uh, why uh, tunes are not liked by the people who are following in the story. And it, here they just, they just skipped over it. Um, you mentioned the color and the, the photo reel and everything that's there. Was it, I don't know that it needs to be real. I should say that, but do, did it feel real? Did you feel like these, uh, these furry, fuzzy, wonderful, adorable creatures were in the universe with these uh, live action characters? I did. I thought, I thought they did an amazing job of bringing them to life. Uh, you know, they had just some, just some beautiful, creations of these different Pokemon wandering around. And that was the world building that I really, really loved. Just, just kind of these great wide shots of a cityscape as you see, you know, like uh, a Dodrio walking by and you see some little... Uh, you know, I don't couldn't tell which kind of birds they were, but kind of flitting through the sky, and you see little panda creatures, and you see kind of I don't know if it's a Regi Registeel or a Regi Rock or something, kind of standing on a corner and Machamp and and Snorlax sleeping in the corner, right. and uh, you know they just they did a great job of of creating these characters and making them feel like they were really present in this world, and all all they like the Growlites and are and. Uh, just the, the Articunos and everything. And like, uh, they, they found ways to kind of, uh, tap them into the place that just, I don't know, it was just beautiful. I, I thought that for me was, um, well worth watching on the big screen, uh, despite the fact that the story didn't quite work for me as well as I wanted it to. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I feel like that's, uh, that's a thing about this movie that it is, uh, it's just a massive Easter egg, you know, like yeah. for, for those yeah. who are invested and who know about the story and about Pokemon. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like there are going to be layers to peel back in this in this movie every time I see it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to see it again in the theater. I don't really have a reason to, but uh, we'll certainly watch it again and uh, and just look at the little touches that they they put in this thing. I I. It, the, the entire city was fantastic. And then 
you go into his office, right, into Bill Nye's office, and they have the beautiful, like, Art Deco sculptures of Dialga and Palkia, and uh, what's the third, the trio? Uh, anyway, they have them behind his desk in this just wonderful pose, and I thought that was so cool. Like, just seeing how invested the art direction was in, in you know, you know, being a part of the world. I thought it was it was really great. Yeah. Well, we talked about Endgame being really sort of focused on fan service and doing it uh, gracefully. Uh, this is maybe brand service, right? They they made sure that those Easter eggs for the Pokemon world were uh, were put there. I, you know, I one of my favorite parts about Pokemon is that they all all they ever say is their name. I think it's adorable. <laughs> right. Like I want to hear it in all the animated things. That wasn't consistent in this film. Or was it? I thought it was pretty or was consistent. it? And I couldn't. And I couldn't hear it. I mean, like they just didn't say it all right. the time. But like you know, like Ludicolo in the bar was, that was crazy. so great. Ludicolo, yeah. <laughs> well, out. and Jigglypuff karaoke was probably my favorite uh, cameo. What of, a of the fun Easter egg that he's yeah. that the guy was sound asleep next to him. I <laughs> thought that was so great. It's perfect. Uh, well, and I think, you know, you mentioned this being for the fans. I think this movie really is for the kids. My theater was loaded with kids. It was all kids going to this movie, which is, and it's a PG movie. So I think that was perfect. Um, there were some questionable trailers at my movie, though. Did you guys have what? I mean, they did a Godzilla King of Monsters trailer before my movie. Yeah. It was really scary. I mean, some of the kids could, had to turn away. They were freaked out by it. Well, it's PG, and I think that's the that's the that's going to always be the the dilemma when you're dealing with these rating systems and having to you know go okay, well, it's PG, so we can put any trailer on it that's PG or lower. Is King of Monsters PG? Well, the trailer. I mean, oh, you know, they, the trailer. Yeah, trailer so that it's, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's green band, right. so it's safe yep. even if it's PG thirteen. I didn't understand. Um, it's, it, it still ends up being safe. Yeah. yeah, that's. It's just. It seems really odd. It seems odd that they would take that leap. And there, I mean, there were kids that like had to turn away, and their parents are like covering yeah. them up through it because it was that scary for them. So that was that was unfortunate. Well, and to that end, you know, maybe they should have considered a G rating for this and and just gone the safer route. Uh, and uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't it was know. close. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, the story is really. Is you you mentioned it was it was light before it it there isn't a whole lot of drama other than you know Tim's father has died, um and then there's some snarky dialogue. Is there anything else that brings it from the script perspective to a P you know I was rating? I was thinking about it and I I think that the fact that they're essentially kind of torturing these creatures oh, yeah. in cages I was like you know that probably is another reason that would it would push to a PG yeah because I don't know that that happens in the TV show at all I don't think they go to that length. And yeah. the experiments and that kind of stuff. That's that's right, pretty right, intense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think of the story? I, I mean, I mentioned that, that, you know, I thought it was twisty and turny. I, I realized very early where we were going with the end of it, um, where who Ryan Reynolds is going to be. <laughs> but I think kids, I, I think it's a good sort of reveal for kids. I, I'm going to, I mean, I can't wait to talk to my kids about it and see what they thought about if they knew what was going to happen towards the end. I totally missed the the Ryan Reynolds reveal. Oh, you did! Uh, like I, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. But, um, I, but as soon as Pikachu, I mean, Pikachu essentially gave the whole thing away for yeah. me because as soon as <laughs> that black vehicle drives up, he's like, "Oh, that's a bad guy car." I'm like, oh, "Okay, so right. that means Bill Nye's our bad guy." Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't even need to know any more of the story. He told me right there. Totally. It's like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> This, well, that's going to be the yeah, story. Yeah, I mean, who who and thinks who well. is too dumb? Like, I think kids <laughs> can pick up on subtext better right. than maybe the the brand uh, yeah. producers the uh, believe they can. 
And I think there was an error in the first scene with Pikachu when Tim meets Pikachu and he's being chased by all of the first feral Pokemon. The A-Poms. Feral A-Poms. A-Poms, yeah. So as he's running from them, I think Pikachu calls his name. Um, And it's before he knew his name. Because later on in that scene, they establish that it's not that that he doesn't know who he is yet. He's just mm. kid. Um, so I think uh, I think it's interesting because if you look at where the story is going, where there is the big reveal that they're connected in that way, um, I think, and maybe it's done on purpose, but it it was something that was just kind of glossed over in a very sort of action laden uh, part with the the feral Pokemon. So I don't know. It it felt like an error to me for sure. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't catch it. At I, all, yeah, so. I didn't catch it. I, yeah. That's really interesting, especially if it was like if, if it was an early nod to what's going to happen, you know, sure. or or to how his his sort of pairing has been done. One one surprise that I uh, sorry uh, one one uh, thing that I thought was a nice surprise was the ditto twist that we had later, which I feel like I should have seen coming, um, but uh, because we do see the ditto earlier um, when they're at the TV station. But um, I don't know. That was a great surprise when all of a sudden um, the, the, you know, the ditto appears. I was like, oh, of course it's the ditto. I, and, I enjoyed that. And twist. you'd never think that the ditto was going to be the sun, right? I mean, that's or, yeah, or right. and now wait, was was the sort of was the enforcer woman that was part of that? Is that a nod to Team Rocket? Oh, interesting. I, I don't know. Because, I mean, she's not credited as that in the story, but I feel like because she's wearing all pink and she has this pink hair and stuff like that, I think that's yeah. the bad guy team in the animated series. But she never says a word because it's always the ditto. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're throwing Easter eggs like that. I love it. That was, I love yeah. it. That and was, also just, and opportunities to throw people off. Yeah. Right. You know. Right, which that definitely was in that case. And th- th- talk about another yeah. creepy thing. Ditto eyes on human beings. That was so gross. Yeah, Ugh. that's what I was going to say. The production design was so good. Yeah. Oh, geez, that was so creepy. I loved. I loved that so much. That was, I thought, one of the the coolest like villain, uh, just special effects I've seen in a while because it was so like simple, but it was so creepy. I, it was so. I creepy. hope my kids are going to be able to sleep through it because uh, thinking back to Coraline. With the mom, the mom mm, spider yep, that has the button yep. eyes that my kids still like years from seeing that movie. I still have nightmares oh, yeah. about that. So uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. concerned with the, you know, the the pupilless eyes effect on anything in a movie that they're watching. Or pupil only eyes. That's all it is. It's just a pupil right Creepy. there. Um, well, Ryan Reynolds is partly, partly the reason why I was super excited to see this movie. Um and I think it, I, I always like him. He's so likable. I mean, even just his voice is likable, but there just wasn't a whole lot that he delivered in this movie. There wasn't a whole lot of script for him to give. Definitely for, you know, that that comparison, Pete, that you're talking about uh, to the Lego movie where they really gave all the characters this sort of layered dialogue and, and it's a layered story. That wasn't this. He was just very pretty straightforward jokes, too, didn't you think? And most of the jokes came out in the trailers, too. Yeah. Uh, that kind of bum me out yeah i i yeah. you know i i think part of it is he has now uh he has a patois right he has like a banter he has sort of a, a he has a tone that i expect and like and it's something i can latch on to you know when i don't have you know story and okay 
since this movie is story light, I just like hearing his voice. Like I want him <laughs> to read me the news in the morning. Like I really yeah. do. Like I feel like that's that, that can't be understated because that's part of his of the sale of Ryan Reynolds in this movie. Well, and I think that's part of the sale of of you know why we find any attachment with the characters yeah. also because you need kind of uh, somebody whose voice you can connect to so quickly and easily to play a role like this because it requires you to find that emotional connection between Tim and Pikachu as their relationship develops and there's I mean it relies on some some pretty um key beats to kind of find that connection for you and in order to get there i feel like if it wasn't a, like a ryan reynolds voice in there i would have had a really a much more difficult time really feeling that that connection had been formed between well them. and i agree with that and it, it, i i think justice smith is is fine but in for the first two-thirds of the movie he really was just portraying sort of exasperation i feel like there wasn't a whole lot he, as a character, wasn't written in a way that would lead us to that intimacy until we start finally getting the turn of him making this emotional move. Um, and so, in in fact, I didn't particularly like him. Um, I was always attached to Pikachu because of that familiarity. Did you guys have any specific feelings about Justice? Well, I, I you know, I, I, he was fine. I liked him better in Jurassic World. I liked him a lot yeah. better in Paper Towns. Like, I, I feel like he's he didn't... Uh, there there was something about his interaction with the digital creatures that didn't feel quite as authentic oh, consistently. Yeah. And so I, I struggled a little bit with that because I, you know, it, it again, it just makes this feel, uh, I, I don't know. I And I don't want to just bag on his performance because it was, it, you know, it just like Ryan Reynolds, they do with what they are given. And I think he right. did with what he was given. Yep. Uh, well, that's that's my sense of it, because I think Justice Smith is a fine actor and, and I think they can both deliver yeah. strong performances. Likewise, Ken Watanabe or Bill Nye, any of these people, they can deliver uh, when they have a stronger story. And I, I think it all falls on the story here. I mean, it, again, it feels like such a a. a, a rehash of this type of story that we've seen so many times before. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to kind of revisit kind of those kind of story beats again, but at least give me a sense of something with the characters so I can I can get a sense that there's really something going on here. And uh, I just don't think that these actors were given enough meat to really make their performances into something special. No, I almost feel like their characters were written like their cartoon counter counterparts, where they were very thin and very sort of direct in their emotion without the, the sort of layers there. So it wasn't there. And I think that, I mean, you mentioned Bill Nye, you mentioned Ken Watanabe, and Catherine Newton playing the sort of uh, the, the buddy reporter right, for yeah. Tim here, too. I, I, I really liked her performance, but it was pretty single noted because it was, you know, it, it it reminded me a lot of what you see in the cartoons for stuff like this. I think a, a better, uh, you know, budding reporter is Anna Ferris in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yeah. Yes. So much more fun. So much more just better written story given to that character. Absolutely. Again, kids movie. I, I, I could not agree more. I I think every one of these characters, the, the big shocking characters, Bill Nye. It, I wonder today if you walk up to Bill Nye at a presser for something else and you say, hey, do you remember that Pokemon movie? What are the odds he remembers that he was even in it? <laughs> like, it just opened and I don't believe he would remember that he's even in it. I, I feel like he's one of these guys, like he 
he takes so many yeah. of the strangest, uh, these big uh, franchise movies. Like, didn't he pop up in the Underworld series? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did, yeah. which I mean, is totally yeah. on our list sometime in the future. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, he he signs up for some of He has a, a movie coming out n- later this year called Stardog and Turbo Cat. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He he does strange things, and I I, I think a lot of it is just for fun. You may be defining crazy stuff just for good. You may be defining the other reason why he doesn't remember that he's in this movie, even though it's just over this movie. I want to name Star Dog and Wonder Cat. I would I would like to name name a list of movies right now. All right, if I may, a list of movies, and I want you to tell me what they have in common. Can we play this little game? I love it. All right, okay. Uh, Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Hannibal, mm. Kingdom of Heaven. So far, Ridley Scott. Oh, okay. Kingdom yes, of Ridley Heaven. All, so far, all, all Ridley Scott. How about August Rush? Oh, how about that's not Ridley how about Scott. Robin Hood? How that's about Forty Seven Ronan? How about the Man from that's, Uncle Logan? Uh, uh, and Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Oh, well, I know it's this one. somebody who works a lot with Ridley Scott. Yes, I know this one. I. I don't know. I think uh, it, with, without looking at IMDb, I, I know it's it's got to be one of his key crew members. Well, it is, Andy. You're an astute observer. It is John Matheson. I think ah. a lot of my joy in watching this movie is at the hands of John Matheson. What did you guys think of him as DP of of this one and and how he treated this thing? It it feels to me, looking at his list, it's largely out of context, but he's certainly done some. Uh, fun uh, movies that are kind of out of character. Well, yeah, and you throw, I mean, some of the X-Men. X-Men. He did yep. X-Men he First did Class. Class. He did Logan. Yep. I mean, so he certainly is... But again, Logan was is, out of character, uh, right, for yeah. a, for a uh, superhero movie. Well, and I think so. what, we, what sure. we mentioned in terms of the CGI, what's doing with this photo real stuff here, I think he did an interesting job with the camera to feature that. So it was very clear that it was always organized well ahead of time that really it, it you know you mentioned logan you mentioned x-men first class there's a storyboarding a paneling in this movie too which gives that brand service uh what it's what it's looked for here i don't i didn't remember a camera move in this movie that i was particularly shocked by but i but the things that we liked about this movie was because the camera embraced them and showed that showed it to us in a way that i think was important allowed the frame to be positioned in such a way where you could catch the exactly. That's something I always think about in movies like this, where it's, there are a lot of, or, or big, or, you know, both digital creatures that have to fill the frame, having to frame the camera in such a way where you have a ridiculous amount of space around your actor that seems almost uncomfortable when you're, when you're leaving it just without any effects in it. And I imagine for DPs, it can be difficult sometimes where it's like, okay, well, I've got to move it a little more to the left and I've got to frame it a little higher because there's going to be this big thing over here. <laughs> there's a 13, you know, it's, 13 foot tall sea monster that's going to be in the middle of this cage. Right. Well, yeah. and a good luck. example of that is the Machamp, right? When we get the Machamp fight scene from the ditto, you know, that you mentioned that this is this powerhouse of a Pokemon. You have got to make room for it and then show it in an yeah. action way. I just, I thought it was all visible and all wonderfully shot. I think they could have done some other fun things with it. Uh, to me, it felt, it, it felt safe kid movie production. You know, it, it didn't feel like anything super creative. Um, but yeah, otherwise I, th- I thought the cinematography was fine. I thought it, it fit. The one thing that I, I wish that I had more of 
is in a detective film, I really wanted them to play more with noir yeah. looks to it. Yeah. You know, just give me some more of those real kind of contrasty shadows throughout. And I just, I get it. It's a kid's film, but still you have the opportunity to do well, that. And, Pete, and it could have been Pete, were fun. you saying that you've played the 3DS game, the Pokemon Detective Pikachu game? Uh, no, I spent okay. quite a bit of time watching clips of it. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, the first of all, after you've seen this and go watch clips of the game, it's just wrong. Like not oh. having Ryan Reynolds' voice in there is just wrong. Sure. very, very different Pikachu. Uh, and and I think actually, weirdly, it's probably more noir. Like it's like, oh yeah, it's kind of a lower, gruffer voice, which is well, that's very what I was wondering. Strange. Yeah, I mean, because Andy, yeah. you know, asking for that, like maybe that should have been appropriate to do that yeah. here too. Well, and yeah, I feel like the they were on the right. cusp of something cool, right? Like they had some of those cool sequences and some of these great locations that that could have led to more of a celebration of detective movies. Uh, I, yeah. I I think they were they were there. I did like though that when he went when he went into um, he went into the apartment and there was a detective movie on TV. Yeah. Oh, that that's, that yeah. was so great. That was the I can't remember what it was Home called. Alone. Angels in there, but it was the one it's from, from Home, Home Alone. Alone. Yeah, it was like yep. angels in yeah. the what, uh, like angels in, something. Uh, like angels. angels with dirty faces. They called it angels. Oh, what was it? Angels with filthy souls. Yeah. Another person uh, yeah. That, yeah. that's really prolific associated with this movie is Henry Jackman doing the music. Mm -hmm. I I'm amazed at what he does. I mean, he's four to six movies every year. Uh, oh, yeah. I I like his music a lot. I uh, and his list. I see tons of movies that I really enjoy uh, in the soundtracks of. My favorite by him is Big Hero Six. Actually, a kids movie as well. Um, it, it, he is. How is he so prolific? <laughs> he's going to be. Uh, we're going to look back and look at his filmography when he's all done, and it's going to be staggering, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's done some great stuff, and I, you know, I think the music was fine here. I don't know if there was anything I was expecting to hear as far as like tying in some themes from from uh, the shows or games or stuff other than Ryan Reynolds kind of, you know, half singing one of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I But, you know, it was fine. I, I thought he did a fine job. And I think he's been an interesting composer who's done some interesting uh, projects for sure. Did you guys have anything other to say about your movie experience with it? I, it's winning the weekend. I mean, I see that even on uh, the first first night, it made, I think, $60 million uh, into Avengers Endgame, $16 million. So it's it's taking over, which is great for this movie. Um, but my theater wasn't filled. Um, and again, it was all filled with kids. Was there anything specific about your theater experience that was remarkable? Just that there were a lot of adults Oh, really? Uh, in the theater. Yeah, I, I had a lot of adults in the theater. I mean, there were, uh, and, and not just adults with kids, but adults on dates and adults in groups and adults, and a lot of them were playing Pokemon Go. Like I was just going to ask you that. Were, yeah. they, were they tossing oh, Pokeballs yeah. as the game was playing? Yeah, I mean, just the lead up to the movie. And so yeah. it was just, I mean, that, that stuff was... Um, was was kind of fun and we should say like it, it might be interesting i don't know andy you'll hear about your theater experience too but i think it's worth like at least talking a little bit about the brand tie-in between the movie and and the the game not just 3ds but pokemon go because they're making a big deal about it um, what are they doing well, you know, they're, they have featured, uh, they're featuring a lot of the Pokemon that were featured in the movie. They're featuring cool. in the game, even those that, that aren't around very much. So you want to catch a fully evolved Charizard? Now's your chance through Friday of this week. Um, cool. Uh, you know, you can find these that are very rare or hard to get. Uh, Is there a Mewtwo? I, 
I haven't gotten you, a chance at a Mewtwo. I haven't heard anybody report that they've seen one, but I um, don't think that would. Yeah, they're they're only available in, yeah. in uh, raid battles. Yeah. But but it's interesting that you can see you know you're you're seeing more of these that were you know t- windowed um, you know months past are are showing up again, which is kind of fun. God, if I get I I see another apom, I'm going to close my head in the car door. Uh, <laughs> Andy, they are as prolific as they were in they the movie. Are. Yes, they are. <laughs> Andy, what was your theater experience like? I saw it in 3D, which was uh, it just it was the the time frame uh, that we needed to uh, uh, hit to see it. Um, which was fine. I, I thought it looked, uh, they did a good job of creating it in 3D, particularly when, um, when the, he's, when Tim has, uh, kind of the, um, fainted Pikachu and is following the Bulbasaur's oh, and the yeah. little floaty mushroom guys. That looked really nice with all those little guys floating around. Like it was designed in 3D. That was, that was beautifully done. Really beautifully done. But um, I, I do just have to say this, uh, and you know, I hope, I hope our listeners uh, take it to heart and really think about this when they go to the movies. Um, so I, I am a particular person about people talking during movies, hmm. and I've never shied away from shushing people. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, which I, I did you, ran into did tonight. Did you get in a fight? Uh, this afternoon. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, nothing quite like Pokemon. that. <laughs> we, yeah, we, <laughs> we, yeah, we threw down, we threw down on Pokemon Go and, and had, a, PvP, had a battle PvP. during the movie. No, uh, so, you know, it was, and it was right at the beginning of the movie and it was a, a mom sitting with her son and her son kept talking to her during the movie and she kept talking right back to him like full volume and so i just uh, you know i I shushed once and then they kept going and i just leaned back and i said would you mind not talking during the movie and she looked at me and said um it's a kid's movie (laughs) and i said teach them that shouldn't matter it's it's just manners (laughs) she looked at me and said if my kid wants to talk during the movie, he can talk during wow. the movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I said, well, fine. Then if you keep it up, I'll just go report you to the theater Authorities. management. And, and uh, yeah, because, I, I, you know, I, I shouldn't have to put up with that. Nobody should have to put up with that. And I hope listeners of our show, uh, you know, certainly appreciate that and aren't the type who talk during movies or at least appreciate it if somebody asks them to be quiet. Oh, yes, you're right. I should use my manners oh, when I mo- watch a movie. And, you know, I will say they didn't talk anymore <laughs> during the movie. So it worked. But still, it's like, come on, people. Like, really? This is how you're teaching your kid? Uh, same. So it was, it was not the exact same thing, but during the Bill Nye exposition scene, uh, there was a mom and a daughter sitting next to me in the theater. And the daughter's phone was going off in some with some uh, ringtone that was like current mumble rap. <laughs> And because the mom didn't recognize it, um, because it was a song, nothing happened. Like the phone played <laughs> through the entire scene and oh, everyone no. around me was like looking for it. And it was so odd because it wasn't super loud. It was like in a purse. Right. So everybody's like, wait, is this background music? But it, it you couldn't really <laughs> tell like why it felt so out of place and so weird. And finally, like the girl realized there's like, oh no, that's my phone. <laughs> so that's similarly, awesome. like, yeah, it's a kid's movie, but come on. Yeah. I had the same experience. So I yeah. missed a little bit of Bill Nye explaining that he's the bad guy yeah. to everybody else. Oh, you didn't miss much. 
Well, if uh, <laughs> well, now that we've uh, we've got our grumpy old men comments out of the way, uh, if we have nothing more to say this movie, I think we should rank it. Uh, we've got all the movies that we've talked about on this show ranked over at flickchart.com slash TNR film board. Flickchart is a really cool site where you can create a tournament style stack ranking of your movie preferences. So check it out and find out how your film favorites fare against ours. Andy, d- do we know if they're still looking for support over there? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I have not checked their uh, their page in a while, but they were. Um, and if they if they are, the Flickchart team is is uh, you know they're doing. I don't. It's not. It's like a Kickstarter type of thing to uh, to kind of get a little more money to get uh, the version two point of their website up. They, they need a little boost to get yeah, that. I haven't so. seen any advertisements about it. I had only heard it through our Discord and our, our discussions about it. So that's why I wanted to ask you because I hadn't seen yeah, I'm, I'm, it. I'm sure they're still looking for support and we can certainly put the link in the show notes for Excellent. people. Where do we start with yeah. Pokemon Detective Pikachu? First up, we have Pokemon Detective Pikachu or The Predator. There's two I'd oh, like to see uh, in a in a battle ring. <sighs> I, I have to go with Pikachu here. It's, yeah. it's so much more entertaining to watch and didn't want to make me slam my head. Oh, I mean, I got so mad at Predator. I can't. Of course, I'm, I'm not so did I. I'm glad that you guys are saying that because on my personal flick chart that I had, I made that choice, too. So I'm Pikachu as well. Yeah. Detective Pikachu or Rogue One. I will take Rogue, Rogue One. Rogue One for sure. Rogue One. Detective Pikachu or Ant-Man. I will take Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Yes. Detective Pikachu or Avengers Age of Ultron. Wow, we've talked a lot <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the MCU. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, Ultron here. Ultron for me, too. Detective Pikachu or Snowden. Ooh, I'm going to say Snowden. I, uh, gosh, Pikachu is a just beautiful film to watch with all the characters, but Snowden gives me a little more meat. They both feed different appetites, but I'll probably pick Snowden. I kind of got mad at that, too. I should wait. I should say, I kind of got mad at that, too. I don't think since mine doesn't really matter, I would be a Pokemon on this one. Oh, that's awesome. Right. I w- w- hope Oliver Stone is listening. Next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Detective Pikachu or the Dark Tower. Oh, weird. I abstain. This is the one film board movie that I never saw. No, we got to change that. Oh, interesting. Um, I caught up. Yeah. Well, I <sighs> I was the one who was more in favor of the Dark Tower because I've never read any of them. Yeah. But even still, I would pick Detective Pikachu, pick Pikachu because too. they're both pretty forgettable. Yeah. Um, but Pikachu at least gives me the joy of the characters. Two very thin movies. I'm going to go with Pikachu as well. Yeah. Well, that lands uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu at slot 39 on our chart of 81. So it's just barely over the 50%. And only mark. because of Predator. But yeah, I, <laughs> I would like yeah, to hear really. it. Yeah, it's it's like three slots above right. Predator. For me, for Letterboxd, exactly. I, uh, I actually went with my... Uh, algorithm from my personal flick chart and i gave it two stars uh and a like I'm, I'm saying it's a like because i think it's not for me that there's a different audience but i i it's just two stars my algorithm actually told me to do 1.5 but i can't condemn it that far it's two stars and a like for me i am uh i feel like i'm the same i feel like i'm the same it's it's a very unfortunately just flat uh movie and I just, I, it didn't involve me as much as it should have, but I, I, I'm, I'm at two and a like, but I think I'm actually going to give it two and a half just because it's so beautiful to look at consistently across the board. I, uh, I'm with you. I mean, it ended up at 737 out of 1082 on my list, which according to the algorithm should be one and a half stars on Letterboxd. 
Yeah, I I feel like I'm going to give it a two star and I'm definitely giving it a heart. I mean, I so I I am hopeful. I leave this conversation hopeful. There are 809 Pokémon currently in canon. And even still, I feel like they the hero Pokémon that they chose th- this movie ends up feeling just, even the stuff I really love, the like visual stuff can start to feel a little bit repetitive. I feel like there is I have hope that this is just the first because I think this is a fun way to present these characters. I think I have hope that if it is successful, maybe it will start to to give us an opportunity to see something that isn't quite so brand heavy uh, and and has a little bit more substance to it. I believe it or not, I am enthusiastic for the future of the Pokemon live action franchise. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my my son got a lot of joy out of it. I enjoyed watching it with him. He was super excited at the end reveal. And um and and I think that, you know, I, I think there are good people doing good work to to make this this franchise comedically satisfying. And even though it it fell a little bit flat in this first time out. Uh, I I I'm looking forward to number two. Uh, what is? It's a yeah. tricky story to revisit with a number two because you can't really go down the same road. Well, and I They've yeah, kind of ended that. I guess I guess I don't want to say number two, but I think there is room to to explore the universe of Pokemon. Uh, you know, not you know maybe outside of Detective Pikachu, but you know when are, maybe there's an Eevee story. Maybe there's a, who knows? Maybe well, I just think there are reporter side <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, similar Harder. to the comic book realms, yeah. there yeah. is a lot of great original content that they can pull from here. And it, they don't necessarily need yeah. to do a sequel to this movie, but no? they can make another Pokemon movie that would be that could be satisfying in a different way. So I, I like that you're optimistic. In 10 years, we are going to come back and, and we'll be talking about the Deadpool-esque rated R Pokemon movie <laughs> that gives us the gym battles we've always wanted. Pokemon get burned and eaten in those things. Oh, my goodness. And uh, we're going to feel it in the jellies. Ah, the jellies. <laughs> I actually like that. That joke through the convention worked for me. Too. And I like the payoff for that one, too. It uh, If we compare this movie to... Um, uh, Happy Time Murders, <laughs> which uh, which yeah, had a bunch I, of jokes that paid off in a really terrible way. Uh, this, see, now I missed that episode, comedy, and we didn't we didn't get to rank it. How would you rank this next to Happy Time Murders? Oh, it's signi- so oh, much greater, better. so much okay. greater. Yeah, a whole world better. That was... Happy Time Murders. Yeah, is yeah was terribly unfortunate. So this and it, it was going the other way, right? It was a complete adult way of making yeah. a movie. But this yeah, right. um, this humor, while it was light for us and didn't necessarily hit, it at least had strategy and it paid off in a good way. I thought so. Where do we go from here? Uh, next month. Next month is June, and we are looking to try to do Yesterday, the new Danny Boyle movie coming out about uh, the Beatles music and an interesting way to uh, enter in the world. I'm really excited for that movie, uh, both personally and for here on the show. Where are you guys at on the series, the main show? What are you guys doing right now on uh, the next reel? We're in our Ingrid Bergman series. And uh, let's see, by the time this comes out, we're getting ready to release our episode on uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Ah, and I saw there was some sat mat voting about uh, movies with bells tolling. <laughs> <laughs> we were really, uh, yeah, we were pretty <laughs> broadly reaching. Let me just say, options. broadly reaching my butt. We nailed it. We <laughs> nailed it on That's bells right. tolling. 
I'm just going to say good luck with that one. Uh, and then uh, uh, testing Andy, as always, where are we right now in the Marvel Movie Minute? Well, we are actually uh, getting, you know, getting close to the kind of the climactic build of the film by the time this should be released the same day as, I believe, episode 92, which would be minute 92 of Iron Man. So, uh, yeah, getting right in the middle of it all. It's fun. You at home can find out more about all of that and engage with us on our Discord server. Go to thenextreel.com and scroll down to the section that says want to hang out in it. That's us just being direct, trying to get everyone into the party. There are links under that heading that connect you to our fun film family where we discuss lots of remarkable things from throughout the entertainment universe and there's also specific chats about all of our shows so come join our gang and interact with us on discord that's where we'll keep the conversation going but for this one say good night pete right good night everybody wait Rudy Carlo. <laughs> see you later andy nelson <laughs> what the the ho i was like ho oh, oh! uh, i don't know <laughs> At the next reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins. Till next. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grand's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 